concerned are you? How concerned are you? How concerned are you? How concerned are you? How concerned? How concerned are you? Let's get started here. Saturday, 12.03 p.m., November 7th, 2020. How are you guys doing this week? BK here coming at you from San Diego, California. Please follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual, and you can check out my Instagram at BK Actual, and you know what we're going to get into today. Tons to talk about. Of course, we are in the aftermath of the presidential election And yes, Joe Biden has been elected president, so we're going to get right into that. You guys, I got a lot to cover. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this, try to break down and crunch some of the numbers, go through some of the various uh, theories about uh, fraud, if there is any, and hopefully clear some stuff up. So let's get right to it and start with, yes, Joe Biden. This morning, it was confirmed, at least by the media. Joseph R. Biden Jr. has been elected president of the United States, defeating President Donald Trump. Uh, Joe Biden, who is 77 years old, will become the 46th president and the oldest man ever sworn into the office. I'll have some vote totals for you later. And along with him, we will get President-elect Biden's running mate, Senator Kamala Harris of California, She will become the first woman on a winning presidential ticket. Uh, With his third run for the White House after unsuccessful bids in 1988 and 2008, and after spending eight years as President Barack Obama's vice president, Joe Biden finally attained a goal that he had dreamed for decades, capping a career in national politics that began with a victory in a 1972 Senate race. So... Keep in mind, Biden also won the popular vote by nearly three percentage points. I think he has like some like, again, we'll get in the vote totals later, but some like 270 something. You needed 270 electoral votes to win. Um, let me see what else. More than 100 million Americans voted before election day, actually, which we'll get into more about the voting by mail thing also later. And... Uh, Biden, it should be noted, with more than 74 million votes nationwide, broke the vote record set by Barack Obama in 2012, while Trump received more than 70 votes, and that's much more, 70 million votes, that's much more than the 63 million votes he received in 2016 when he beat Hillary Clinton while losing the uh, popular vote. Of course, this was not exactly, it's kind of a mixed bag for all the way around, the punditry and the resistance was looking for a massive landslide, of course, a total repudiation, and that uh, did not happen. Let me just scroll through here. 
a little bit on our live updates page. Remember, Kamala Harris uh, will be, again, the first woman, the first woman of color, and the first Indian-American woman, and the first daughter of immigrants to be sworn in as vice president. She is the daughter of a Jamaican father and an Indian mother. She is 56 years old. Uh, amusingly enough, remember, this might be the first time also that the vice president on a ticket once accused publicly her running mate, the president, of being a, a racist. <laughs> you guys remember that during the debate? That's right. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, Trump apparently got the news while he was golfing in suburban Virginia, and now he's got to drive back to the White House in the motorcade. And right now, if I was checking Twitter right before I started the podcast, and there's like a massive crowd growing in the crowd, uh, growing outside the White House. So he's got uh, he's got that to look forward to as well. Um, so the fight goes on, of course, with accusations of voter fraud. Um, Twitter flagged all of President Trump's tweets this morning, calling them disputed and potentially misleading. And Trump is focusing his ire on Pennsylvania. Of course, Trump is trailing Biden by about 28,000 votes right now. And uh, it's it, it's going to be interesting watching Twitter and how aggressive they become about Trump's tweets. We'll have more to say on that in a moment. Uh, there are many, many people out in the streets celebrating, um, again, which is uh, interesting to me, and it just shows you the emotional investment that people had in, to, in on this presidential election. Uh, and you can really pin that, a lot of that, on the hysteria that's been whipped up bar, by our media and the spectacle that they've made of themselves in the last four years, in my opinion. Uh, what else? Of course, the legal battle is vowing to continue. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to save my thoughts for after I get through the actual news, you guys, but I, I might jump in here and there. And I know a lot of you like, are like, this isn't over. This isn't over. And I told you like two days ago it was over, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment too. Uh, let's see as what else in the live updates page? Well, let me just go here. Yeah. Biden is well ahead of Trump. Now it's actually not going to turn out to be that close of a race. Um, let's see. I'm looking at the map right now. So it's showing Joe Biden with 279 electoral votes, Donald Trump with 214 electoral votes. Arizona has still not been officially called, but he appears Trump that is to have lost that state as well. Uh, let's see what else. Trump voters obviously are in shock, disappointment, and belief. It was it's easy to get caught up. I, I remember when I said when I filled in for Jesse Kelly on election day. I don't know if you guys heard that, but I said, yeah, it's hard to believe when you looked at these images of the rallies, you know, tens of thousands of people, the the motorcades, the obvious ground enthusiasm, and you have that, and you basically have zero of that for Joe Biden. It's, it is hard to believe that you lost, but you did lose. And as I told you months ago, Trump hatred, don't underestimate it. That is a powerful motivating force. And 
the resistance has been ginned up again by the media, pushing their fake news and propaganda for the last four years about like Russia collusion nonsense. Uh, so many guys that we've we've seen through the last four years. You guys all know them. I've gone over them every single week. Um, they're a complete disgrace. They're obviously one-sided. They obviously had a, a side they were rooting for the entire time. And that worked on a lot of people. Uh, you see the spontaneous uh, celebrations uh, erupting in the streets right now. Uh, not any one of those people, all these people who are pouring on the streets right now, nothing in their life has changed. <laughs> That's the funny part. Not a goddamn thing in your life has changed. You're still going to wake up tomorrow, and you're still going to head into your shitty job on Monday or whatever it is, and nothing will have changed. But with social media now, this works a tremendous, uh, a tremendous amount on the psyche of the modern person. It's designed to be like that. Remember, all this stuff that goes around in social media, especially Twitter, Facebook, the memes, all that stuff, they're explicitly put together and designed to give you a physiological reaction and an endorphin rush and all this stuff. And what better way than politics? I mean, did you remember when you were a kid growing up, some of you older people, nobody was crying after a presidential election. Uh, and if you were, you were seen as like a total goof. Or you know, or, or like massive street celebrations, or anything like that. It just it wasn't like that. But now, it's like that because it's working on us. This all this media has worked on us. It's fascinating topic to me. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, I'm just scrolling down this live updates page here. Rudy Giuliani has repeatedly attacked the election results at a news conference on Saturday morning. Um, Speaking outside a business in Philadelphia, Giuliani went as far as to suggest that the courts in Pennsylvania may want to set aside the tally there. Yeah, they are not going to do that. Chuck Schumer is celebrating on the streets of Brooklyn uh, during a phone call with Pelosi and Biden. Barack Obama has expressed confidence in his former vice president, saying, quote, I know he'll do the job with the best interests of every American at heart, whether or not he had their vote, end quote. Senator Josh Howley, a Republican of Missouri, he's kind of a rising star in right-wing circles, said the election was not settled. He said, quote, the media do not get to determine who the president is. The people do, end quote. Okay. Um, I mean, let's see what else. Uh, there really isn't a lot... You know, you guys, I opened up like tons of tabs, and I'm just realizing now that th there's just not like a, a lot to talk about this. Um, but I'm just trying to give you all the information. Let's see. Let me tell you this. Let's go to where the election fight is playing out in the courts and what's exactly happening there. So nearly a dozen lawsuits are making their way through the courts in Nevada, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia. Four key states, of course, where Biden leads or has led with the vote count. In Pennsylvania, uh, recall that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court last September, this last September, ruled that election officials could accept ballots postmarked by Election Day, but arriving up to three days later. Republicans sued, and the case made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. But in late October, the Supreme Court declined to intercede in that ruling. And 
Wednesday, the Trump campaign filed a motion to intervene in the case, and on Friday, the Pennsylvania Republican Party sought to join the effort. All right. What else? Remember that also in Pennsylvania, a Pennsylvania state court handed Trump a minor victory. A judge ruled that election observers from the Trump campaign, who were allowed to stand 10 feet from the vote counting at Philadelphia Convention Center, could move closer to 6 feet. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, let me see. Um, none of the, a lot of this doesn't make sense. Like, for example, lawyers for the Trump campaign had filed an emergency petition in federal court claiming that election officials in the city were not abiding by the state's court decision and asking that the count in Philadelphia be delayed. But when the judge asked them about it, Trump's campaign then admitted that, quote, a non-zero number, end quote, of Republican observers had, in fact, turned up. So the judge said, then what's the problem? Yeah, see, a lot of this stuff is just kind of nonsense. And let's talk about the actual vote counts. Joe Biden right now is leading uh, Trump in the popular vote, and of course the uh, electoral vote. Uh, In the popular vote right now, our our latest update, Joe Biden has received 74,493,982 votes. That is 50.5% of the vote total. Meanwhile, Donald Trump has received 70,342,766 votes. That is 47.7% of the vote total. Remember, we had a third-party candidate goofball running as well. And yes, 279 electoral votes for Biden and 214 for Trump. Uh, So let's quickly turn. So what happens now? Well, now all eyes are going to turn to Georgia because control of the Senate is going to hang in balance after Senator David Perdue of Georgia, a Republican, fell just short of the majority of votes he needed to win re-election. And that sets the stage for a second January runoff in Georgia, uh, which is, by all accounts and appearances, pretty much a blue state now. So with the Senate narrowly divided between Republicans and Democrats, the twin rematch is scheduled for just two weeks before Inauguration Day. Wow. We'll almost certainly determine which party comes away with the power to shape the fate of Joe Biden's agenda. So just what this is going to be nuts down in Georgia for the next two months. They're looking at a nine-week sprint that could cost another $100 million dollars and pretty much amount to a referendum on the outcome of the presidential election. This should be interesting. So is the Trump people in Georgia, are they going to be revved up and and go after this hard? Are they going to be motivated? Or are they going to be in their basements licking their wounds? Only time will tell. Conversely, is the resistance in Georgia, are they going to be feeling their oats? They're going to pour out even harder for this Senate election? Uh, Georgia's special election, special Senate election has been destined for a runoff since Tuesday when the Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, a Democrat, and Senator Kelly Loeffler, a Republican, emerged as the top two vote-getters in a crowded field vying to replace the retiring Senator Johnny Isaacson. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I never even heard of Johnny Isaacson before in my life. 
So Republicans had hoped they could keep off a second such contest in Purdue's case. Um, by the time his raise was called on Friday night after a protracted count, Purdue had a razor-thin lead over John Ossoff, his Democratic challenger. Now, two other Senate races in North Carolina and in Alaska had not yet been called on Friday night, but Republicans were leading in both and expected to win, which would put them at 50 seats to the Democrats' 48 seats. But if Democrats took both of Georgia's seats in this election coming up, they would draw the Senate to a 50-50 tie, effectively taking control of the Senate because then Vice President Kamala Harris would be empowered to cast tie-breaking votes. So look, it's going to be a fucking shit show in Georgia for the next nine weeks. Absolutely. What else with the election? Well, let's talk to let's talk a little bit. I know most of you guys are not in California, but it was pretty interesting out here and it's a fascinating play on the dynamics out here, which I've told you in the past a little bit before. I know we have this rep as this big blue state. And yes, in certain in some cases and some respects it's very much deserved. However, we had uh, it was an interesting thing. It seems that Californians like like voting for liberal politicians, but they like their policies a lot, lot less. Because we Californians overwhelmingly went to Joe Biden. It was almost two thirds going to Joe Biden. And, you know, just a side note, it's so hard to win a national election as a Republican when you discount almost immediately the entire West Coast. And I don't know how you fix that beyond just time and demographic changes. It's very difficult to start in the hole when you know you're going to lose the entire West Coast plus New York. That, that's what you start out at. So it's always going to be incredibly challenging for a Republican to win a national election that way. But... The big story out here was the series of referendums that California voters rejected. Uh, for example, we rejected affirmative action. Remember I told you guys they were trying to bring that back 25 years after California voters rejected it the first time back in 1996? Well, the white liberals out here wanted it back badly, and they put it on the ballot again, and it lost again. So hopefully this is the fucking end of it. I'm tired of hearing about it, okay? We're not going to hand... The government power to discriminate by skin color and ethnicity. We're just not going to do it, okay? We've moved past it. Fucking accept it and get over it. I'm tired of hearing about it. No more of this. No more legal discrimination by governments due to your skin color and ethnicity. It's dead. It's finished. I'm tired of it. It's absurd anyway. I've gone into the absurdities before, but just like one example. So, like, you know, with affirmative action, you're telling me that the... Uh, the, the wealthy half African-American child of, say, like a uh, bank executive and a uh, accountant, they're going to receive preference over the fucking white kid or half Asian kid whose parents is a, are a janitor and a homemaker. You start getting into all these things and you realize how absurd all of it is. So no more of it. It's done. Also out here, we shot down an expansion of rent control. And, of course, we changed the law that, give, that tried to give greater, 
it's funny how the New York Times words this. We we uh, let me hold on. Let me back up here. Sorry, guys. This is written so. See, this is the problem with reading these and trying to think and talk at the same time. They write these tortured sentences at the New York Times. Uh, here's the way they put it. The voters in California eviscerated a law that gives greater labor protections for ride shares and delivery drivers. <laughs> okay, that's how they put it. A, a real, real wording of it is is that this was the Uber law, right? And they wanted to make Uber drivers and all the rest employees rather than contractors, thusly giving them far more benefits, which in turn would make the companies. Uh, have to pay them much, much more money. Anyway, we tossed that one too, which is good because if that had passed, then Uber and Lyft probably were going to move out of the state of California. Also, a measure that would have raised taxes on commercial landlords is going to lose. That was the one that was basically changing Prop 13 out here in California. So this was kind of a... Gut check. Oh, and also, just for good measure, there was a prop out here to allow 17-year-olds to vote. That also lost. Um, so, yes. On, at, on the other hand, we did restore voting rights for felons who were on parole. <laughs> Terrific. Oh, man. Yep. That affirmative action measure on the ballot dated, again, to 1996. That year, 55% of the state's electorate voted to ban the use of race, ethnicity, national origin, or gender in public hiring, contracting, and university missions. You know, let's just be clear. The reason they put this back on the ballot is because white liberals uh, feel there are too many Asians in the University of California system. That's fucking basically the meat and potatoes of it. They can church it up all they want, but that's what it is. And it, it's silly to even contemplate because since 2014, there hasn't been a racial or ethnic group that constitutes a majority of California's population. 39% of California residents are Latino, 37% are white, 15% are Asian American, 6% are black. So we're already diverse and we don't need any more of this stupid nonsense. And in statewide polls, Latino voters uh, showed that only 40% of the state's Latinos supported that affirmative action proposition, and many white and Asian American Californians opposed the measure. That's right. Let's see, what else? Did I have any other cool stuff here? I know I'm trying not to spend too much time on this because I know most of you guys are not in California, but it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating how it goes here. So, what else was interesting? Well, how about the rise and fall of the Stop the Steal Facebook group? This was fascinating. This started on Wednesday. The first post of the Stop the Steal group uh, just said, quote, welcome to Stop the Steal, end quote. And the viral video that they put up one hour later that was a crowd outside a polling station in Detroit shouting and chanting, Stop the Count, helped turn the Stop the Steal Facebook group into one of the fastest growing groups in Facebook's history. By Thursday morning, less than 22 hours after it was started, 
The Stop This Deal Facebook group had amassed more than 320,000 users, at one point gaining 100 new members every 10 seconds. Well, as that momentum grew, it caught the attention of Facebook executives who shut the group down hours later for trying to incite violence. <laughs> Which is funny to me because if have you been on some of these other Facebook groups, the lib groups like Occupy Democrats and stuff? They're, they, they put up incendiary shit all the time. Of course, we all know the rules are different. Everybody knows this. And yeah, but just because now... Uh, Silicon Valley executives are doing the speech squashing, not the government. So that's fine. That's what all the uh, good Republicans tell me. Uh, and you guys know that this was coming because uh, Facebook groups, which are public and can be joined anyone with a Facebook account, have long been the centers for these movements, such as QAnon and anti-vaccination activists. Uh, a, Facebook, a Facebook spokesman said the social network removed the Stop the Steal group as part of the, quote, exceptional measures, end quote, it was taking on the election. Um, let me see here. I'm just going, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm fascinated with this. The Stop the Steal group and all these conspiracy theories. Uh, a lot of the stuff they uploaded was the typical stuff. Many of them have been proved uh, false, but... This is the future. They're pretty much just going to come out and squash all groups designed around this. I can just tell you that. Now, let's go to some of the disinformation that's been going on about the 2020 election. Okay? There's a lot of it. Here's one. A viral claim that Pennsylvania had 21,000 dead people on its voter rolls spread across the internet. And, uh, again... Rudy Giuliani helped spread that. The New York Times has debunked this. And let me see here. This, the claim stemmed from a lawsuit that was filed by the Conservative Public Interest Legal Foundation. The suit accuses the Pennsylvanian Secretary of State Kathy Buchvar of improperly including 21,206 supposedly deceased Pennsylvanians on voter rolls. The group asked for an injunction to stop the dead people from voting in the election. Um, so a spokesman then for the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office said the court found no deficiency in how Pennsylvania maintains its voter rolls. There is currently no proof provided that any deceased person has voted in the 2020 election. Uh, let's see. What are some other ones that went on here? And guys, don't get me wrong. I'm keeping an open mind. I've said that from the beginning. I'm not like, just show me proof. That's, uh, that's all. I'm, I'm an evidence guy. Let's use some critical thinking skills here. I'm more than willing to entertain conspiracy theories. I want to see proof. And, and if you don't have any proof, then I just, I just stop listening to you. But I'm happy to listen if you show up for something real. Uh, what else did... What else were some of the, uh, dis the disinformation? Oh, how about the workers covering windows at a Detroit vote counting site? You guys probably saw that one. Uh, yeah, they put up all these videos. Workers began to cover the site's windows after the protesters showed up. And 
They said the windows had been covered because poll workers inside had expressed concerns about people taking unauthorized photographs and videos of their work. A spokesman said only the media is allowed to take pictures inside the counting place, and the people outside the center were not listening to requests to stop filming poll workers and their paperwork. Okay, and then here was a big one too. Let's talk about the 138,000 votes in Michigan that was suddenly awarded, like almost overnight, right? Um, what happened was Biden didn't receive those votes. They were briefly added to his unofficial totals on an election map because of a typo in a small Michigan county that was caught and corrected in roughly half an hour. The elections clerk in Shiawassee County in Michigan said, quote, all it was is there was an extra zero that got typed in, end quote. She went on to say it was caught quickly. In other words, when the elections clerk sent the county's unofficial vote counts to Michigan officials early Wednesday, they accidentally reported Mr. Biden's tally at 153,710 when it should have been 15,371, okay? So they added the zero on the end of it. And about 20 minutes after they did, she said a state elections official called her to ask her if the number was a typo because Shiawassee County does not have that many residents. They corrected the figure and the number was updated. Again, that was an unofficial count at the time, but that's what was going around, okay? So that's, that's another one. And it's good. We should check this stuff. I'm glad. Uh, the Sharpies invalidating the ballots in Arizona. That was another conspiracy theory. This alleges that poll workers had provided Trump voters with felt-tip pens to mark their ballots, which some claimed invalidated those ballots by making them unreadable by voting machines. But Arizona officials said that there was no truth to that claim and that votes recorded with felt-tip pens would still be counted. All right. Any more? Pennsylvania, in case you're wondering, they got the most uh, they got the most tweets and stuff about stealing the election. That's the state that everybody was kind of going off on. What else do I have on the misinformation? There was all kinds of like doctored photos going around as well. Um, let's see what else. Battleground states, Instagram tries clamping down on misinformation. I wonder why specifically, you know, it's interesting to me that the, the election, that's really the only thing they're really trying to delete stuff about misinformation. I mean, other kinds of misinformation is perfectly free to quick to, to flourish all over the place. Let's see. Facebook removes Trump and Biden ads saying that they could mislead voters. That was back uh, before the election. Anyway, so that's just some of the uh, viral stuff going around. Now, what else? Uh, let's see. There, there. I have this one article here. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, guys, so bear with me. There's not like, this isn't like a usual podcast because usually I, I have like all my stuff lined up and stuff is changing so fast. I'm really uh, jumping around quite a bit. What else do I have? Um, well, let's talk about Trump and the vote. 
of course, Trump has been tarred as a, you know, what, white supremacist, racist, everything else. But interestingly enough, Donald Trump did better with minorities than any GOP candidate in 60 years. Uh, Team Trump made uh, huge inroads with black and Hispanic voters, actually. Preliminary numbers indicated that 26% of Trump's voting share came from non-white voters. Again, the highest percentage for a GOP presidential candidate since 1960. And in some counties, he had in extreme performances, and especially like in Florida's Miami-Dade County, that's the heartland really of Cuban America, Trump turned a 30-plus point Hillary Clinton defeat in 2016 into just barely, barely losing it to Joe Biden. Uh, Texas's Star County, overwhelmingly Mexican-American and positioned in the heart of the Rio Grande Valley, that barely uh, went for Biden. Barely. And again, this was like, you know, tr- like uh, pr- like something like a 30% shift. I'll have a little bit more on that in a minute. Uh, he doubled the his black female vote and black male vote. And this is not uh, kind of going along with the narrative that he's like some huge racist, but of course you all knew that. Specifically, let's talk about some of the battleground states and how they flipped back or changed to Democrats. Let's start with Michigan. In 2016, Michigan went for Trump by 0.2 of a percent. In 2020, Michigan is going to Joe Biden by 2.7%. And they're crediting this to increased turnout in Detroit and its wealthy suburbs, as well as a shift away from Trump by middle-class voters. Uh, Biden gained support in most of the counties won by Hillary Clinton, and about two-thirds of the counties that voted for Mr. Trump in 2016 went to the left in 2020. You know, the irony is that Trump increased his share of the vote in every like minority group, And then he lost his share of the vote with white men. Make of that what you will. So that's Michigan. Let's go to another one. Let's talk about Texas. I just, I mentioned the uh, Latino vote. Now, Trump did not win Texas like he did in 2016. In 2016, Trump won Texas by nine percentage points. In 2020, only 5.8 percentage points. Demographics is destiny. I keep telling you. Um, let's see here. I mentioned the Rio Grande Valley. That, uh, was, that was a huge shift. Uh, Come on, New York Times. Really? Why do you have to make everything so goddamn tortured with your language? It's not media members. If you, if, if you use the flowery language to obfuscate the main point, it doesn't mean you're a better writer. How many fucking times do I have to tell you journalists that? As a matter of fact, it makes you worse. Do you not fucking get that now? (laughs) They're so bad at their jobs. You guys don't understand what it's like. Do you think it's easy to sit here, read, explain, think, translate and talk all at the same time. You think it's easy, don't you? Well, it's fucking not easy. It's far from easy. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. Nobody else has the steel trap mind capable of doing this. 
No, every other podcast is five yokels fucking yucking it up and talking over each other. I'm the only guy who's capable of doing two and a half hours, no breaks, no editing solo. Everybody knows it. Come on now. Let me see about this Rio Grande Valley. Um, Yes. So Hidalgo, the town of Hidalgo went very well. And it's funny, the Rio Grande Valley, if you don't know, it's right on the border with Mexico. So how do you explain this? Like, so where the town of McAllen is, the city of McAllen, that went huge for Trump. Now, listen to this stat. Star County, that's a rural border county. Hillary Clinton won that county by 60, 60, 60 percentage points in 2016. Biden did win it, but only by five points. Um, so... It's funny. So this is like, I keep telling you guys, you thought I was joking when I put that meme on the internet. The right-wing Hispanics are going to save America from the white liberals. I really believe that. And I know I have tons and tons of young Latino listeners of Latino descent. I'm fucking telling you, you guys are the future. The white liberals are far too brainwashed. They're far too gone. They've been propagandized, radicalized by our stupid far leftist media. They're done. I can't help them anymore. You... My young right-wing Latinos, you are the future. Uh, Let's see. Here's another one. In Hidalgo County, Texas, Hillary Clinton won that by 41 percentage points. Uh, Joe Biden won it by only 17 percentage points. But that wasn't enough to... uh, Trump, again, won the state, but a lot of it, he lost tons of white votes. The white and educated voters went huge for Biden, as did all the Houston suburbs. Texas has become a lot more diverse because guess what? Everybody else is uh, fleeing from fucking California and everybody else, and they're moving to Texas. Do they change their voting patterns? No, they do not. They fucking are too stupid to do a cause and effect analysis on themselves. But that's like the double-edged sword. Texas is booming, right? Well, part of the reason Texas is booming is because they're getting a massive influx from other states and the diversity is increasing. You get a lot more white, educated liberals moving in and those people are too stupid to see the reason they left their other state in the first place and they moved to Texas and they vote for far-left candidates. So that's what's going to happen in Texas eventually too. Again, demographics is destiny, you guys. This is what happens. Let's talk about Florida. Florida has shifted further to the right. In 2016, Trump won Florida by 1.2%. In 2020, Trump won Florida by 3.4%. And more than half the counties in Florida did swing to the right. Um, About a third of the counties did vote more Democratic. Joe Biden did well in Pinellas County. That's home to St. Petersburg. Um, Biden did flip a large county that was Duval County where Jacksonville is. Trump had won that in 2016. However, Biden's uh, lost ground in Miami-Dade County again. The surge among Cuban-Americans boosted Trump's vote totals in the county where he picked up nearly 200,000 more votes than he did four years ago. Wisconsin... In 2016, went for Trump by 0.8%. In 
in 2020, Wisconsin went by 0.6% to Joe Biden. So Joe Biden has flipped Wisconsin. And that came in part from the strength of voters in cities and suburbs. They went to the left huge. Of course, the usual suspects, Madison, Milwaukee. Uh, so I think Biden right now is about 20,000 votes ahead of Trump in Wisconsin. Turnout was up 13% in the mainly rural counties that favored Trump in 2016. Uh, For example, in Burnett County, voting surged 16%. Hmm. Just going through this. I know some of this is a little bit dry, you guys, but honestly, I was trying to prepare for the podcast, and I was like looking for other shit to talk about, and it's all election all the time right now. So uh, bear with me. So I figured what the hell, we'll nerd out a little bit on some of these statistics. But the big thing is suburbs moved away from Trump, and that was a kind of common theme throughout the country. Suburban counties that were already Democratic-leaning before 2020 tilted more so, and many that were deeply Republican went several points away from the president. On average, Biden improved on Hillary Clinton's performance in 373 suburban counties around the country by about 4.8 percentage points, and that's as of Friday morning. And those patterns follow a trend from the 2018 midterm election when voters in increasingly diverse and highly educated suburbs swept many Republican members out of Congress, uh, members of Congress out of office. Um, let's see here. Uh, Cobb County, Georgia, that had a surge of votes for Mr. Biden, and he made deep gains there. And Cobb County voted handily for Mitt Romney in 2012. So they look to be solidly Democratic, and Georgia is emerging as this blue state. Yeah, this isn't the South of uh, you know 1980 anymore, that's for sure. And how about Arizona? Let's talk about Arizona. Well, you want to talk about demographics is destiny. Ten years ago, Maricopa County was the place that started the political careers of Republicans, like Joe Arpaio. Remember him, the sheriff, Sheriff Joe. Well, Maricopa County is now undergoing what may be one of the biggest political shifts of any major county in the United States in recent years. The last time Maricopa County came this close to siding with a Democratic presidential candidate was in 1948. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, just a side note, I'm, I'm looking at a quote here from a guy named Joseph Garcia. He says, quote, we think of John Wayne in the Sonoran Desert when we have visions of Arizona, but the truth is we're an urban state where the Phoenix metro area is the heart and soul of Arizona at this point, end quote. Okay, very good. Uh, He is executive director of something called Chicanos por la Casa Action Fund. That's a Phoenix group. It's funny. Do you ever notice that uh, when the the ethnic minority groups actually outnumber the whites, they still keep all of their uh, ethnic and skin color-based political action groups? Out here in California, whites are a minority. Hispanics are the majority in California. And they still have many, 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 many groups out here and support groups and uh, for Latinos. You know, they're not going to give them up just because they're the majority now. See how that works? That's funny. 
the Chicanos por la Casa Action Fund. That is a Phoenix group that helped register and turn out thousands of Latino voters. Good. Hey, Arizona people, where's your fucking group? Where's your group that's doing any work? There is now a considerable list of elected positions in Maricopa County that are held by Democrats, including county, recorder, and sheriff. This is funny. They say the New York Times writes various factors have contributed to the political reconfiguration. Uh, do they mention immigration at all? Um, nope, they don't. Biden led Trump by about three percentage points in Maricopa County as of Friday afternoon in a county that Mitt Romney won in 2012 by 12 percentage points. That's a 15 percentage point change in eight years. Wow. Let's see what else here. Maricopa County accounts for about 60% of Arizona's population with nearly 4.5 million people. Oh, here we go. Here's some, here's some finally in the, in the very bottom paragraph. Uh, the rapid growth of its Latino population of Maricopa County. In the year 2000, there were 365,000 Latinos in Maricopa County. In 2020, guess how many? 1.3 million uh, you, you know what? I know it's it fucking it's mind blowing, isn't it? When you have when you when you import tons and tons of people who are very comfortable with like socialist governments in a very very short amount of time without properly assimilating them into you know the the United States way of doing things, it turns out that they change the electorate. I know who who'd have thought? It, it's but if you if it's it's funny because if you if you say that and you're like cautionary about it you're immediately labeled like a white supremacist or a racist but you can say the same exact thing but couch it in glowing terms and it's like a front page article in the new york times you guys ever notice that that's right let's see what else in here about maricopa county uh do 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 Many Democrats traced the changes that made the competitive Maricopa County to the spate of anti-immigrant laws a decade ago that helped galvanize Latino youth in Arizona. Hmm. Well, it's just it's a numbers game. That's all. It's all it is. And it works on guilty white liberals too. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest part of Maricopa County. In 2012, a Democratic state legislature represents a district in Phoenix and Glendale, began her political career as a field organizer. In 2012, she ran for office and lost by just 113 votes. She became the state director for Mi Familia Vota, uh, yet, yet another ethnic-based group. She decided to enter the race again in 2018 and won, and then now this year she ran unopposed for a second term. Okay, so... There you go. They're all going to be, this is, this is what you get. They run for, they're out there doing the work. All these far left Latinos who want no borders and no, uh, no immigration system of any kind. And they're out there voting and they're winning because they appeal to ethnic solidarity. That's all it is. Uh, let's see what else. Looking at, uh, Maricopa County, blah, blah, blah. It's just, this is, a, there's a lot of propaganda in this article. I'm trying to skip over it. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, Pennsylvania is winning big. Um, what else do I have for you about the election? 
Well, let's 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 switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about the House and the House of Representatives. This was not good news, and indeed, a lot of races are still being decided. And the Democrats really thought every single major pollster thought that the Democrats were going to increase their the voting margins in the House of Representatives, and they were completely wrong. Uh, Republicans made very good gains. They didn't quite take it, but they're very, very, very close. And now they're all kind of fighting with each other, the House Democrats are, uh, because they had this call that leaked out. They had this big conference call, kind of like the post-mortem. And a lot of the younger House Democrats are savaging Nancy Pelosi. And you probably saw this. Representative Abigail Spanberger is a Democrat. She ripped into party leadership on a conference call on Thursday after the House majority shrank. She said, quote, no one should ever say defund the police ever again, end quote. And she added that because if they do, they will get fucking torn apart. Well, th- yeah, they're not going to say it, but they're still going to vote for it. But yeah, they're, they're wising up. They know that they can't just say this shit out loud. They'll just do it behind closed doors. That's all. The media won't cover any of it because they cover for them. That's what they do. Mm, let's see. And this was easy in the time of Trump. Keep this in mind, too. In the time of Trump, you could, you could be a crazy leftist if you, as long as you just shouted about Trump enough. But now that Trump is going to be gone, people are actually going to be like holding you accountable for stuff you say. So it's going to be a whole new ball game. Uh, Spanberger, it's interesting. She was a former CIA employee, and she defeated very narrowly a former Army Green Beret. She's uh, in Virginia there. Uh, so a lot of people are not too happy with Pelosi, but she's running again for House Speaker. And any bets that she's going to lose? I, because it seems like everybody's terrified of her and nobody will actually uh, vote against her. Now, what else happened? I mentioned the polls, right? These polls were way off, like usual. And now people are asking stuff like, well, was this mathematically, were they just dumb? Or was this done with something more sinister in mind? Was this like propaganda to depress the Trump trends? Is he like, oh, see, Joe Biden is ahead nationally by 14 points. Uh, You have no hope. Don't even bother voting. Well, we still don't really know because not all the votes have been counted. Once the votes are being counted, then we'll figure it out. Uh, Let's see. Anything else about the... Election here. The surprise 2020 losses of the political world. Yep, that's right. It's still unfolding, so I can't really give you guys hard numbers with the House. Uh, But the Republicans are going to have a net seat gain of how many? Yeah, sorry. And more, more horribly written news articles. Quite a few. Uh, Let's see. What else? About the election. There was a lot of expensive losers. Especially in the Senate. Democrats topped the list of U.S. Senate candidates who spent the most money per year from 2010 to date. And many went on to lose the election. And this one was a big one. Democratic U.S. Senate candidate Jamie Harrison from South Carolina spent the most for his campaign. He spent... $105,502,000 $105,502,000 from 2019 to 2020. He was defeated 
by incumbent Republican South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, who spent $59,742,000 from 2019 to 2020. Oh, you know who the second most expensive Democratic loser since 2010 has been? My man, dude. Former U.S. Senate candidate Beto O'Rourke from Texas. He spent from 2017 to 2018 $80,458,000, and he too was defeated. Uh, let's see. And Kentucky's Amy McGrath, she fucking got blown out too by Mitch McConnell, which was funny. And she blew 75 million, 280,000 from 2019 to 2020. <laughs> yeah. Mitch McConnell won easily. It wasn't even close. Just goes to show you. All right. What else about the election? Okay, so how about my thoughts? So that's pretty much the election, you guys. Uh, so let's get to... I, I don't want to get into it more because I'm already bored to death with it. I did write down a few quick notes here. Okay, let's talk about the vote itself. I know I never usually use notes, but for this one I did notes because I wanted to hit a few key points. The vote itself. Okay. You guys have heard, if you've been listening to me for a while, that... I've talked to you about this silly and stupid mail-in early voting thing. Now you see the consequences of it because there's going to be millions and millions of people out there who see Trump winning and then they go to bed and they wake up the next morning and now Trump is losing and they're wondering what the fuck. This is why we need to drastically curtail early voting and drastically curtail this mail-in nonsense and get back to fucking an election day where you show up if it was me, you show up, you show your ID, you vote, the votes are counted, and by the end of the night, we know who fucking the president is. That's the way I would do it if I was king. You see what happens here with all the conspiracy theories and the internet? You see what goes on? This is why our system is, is stupid, and we shouldn't do this. The voting trends themselves, again, historic increase in minorities for the Republicans. Again, it's not all bad. Um... <clears throat> But the me, I know there's a lot of you guys out there that don't want to hear this. This voter fraud. Let's talk about it. I've already debunked a few of the things, right? And there's going to be a lot of people who keep shouting voter fraud. Listen, we, this, that is a distraction. I feel like people are shouting that they can't see the forest for the trees here. Okay? Much more concerning than voter fraud is a media that we have that's filled with propaganda that never accepted the results of the 2016 election, that dabbled in wild, crazed conspiracy theories for four years, the big one being the Russia collusion hoax. That's the real problem. And the other second real problem is our far-left education system. We have completely let academia be dominated by far-leftists, far outside any kind of moderate mainstream. <laughs> like, way out. And you can't have an entire academic system run by the farthest left people in the world raising your kids. Because now, those are the problem. So people shouting about voter fraud, you're missing the forest for the trees, dude. The big problems are a propaganda media and an education system that's horrific. Those are the real problems. How you change that, that's real work. So just to me, talking about election fraud, there was no... I'm sure there was maybe some chicanery here and there. I just like the word chicanery. On a widespread basis, did it happen? No, it didn't. Get over it. 
Joe Biden won more votes, period, end of story. He got more votes. He won. Okay, and that's it. You didn't do it. You didn't get out there enough. That's the way it goes. I don't know what to tell you. So what happens when you lose an election? You get back to work. Go back to work. If you don't like the results, you get back to work. You start working. You start organizing. You start being the resistance. That's what you do. Instead of, you don't cry face about voter fraud. Get back to work. I'm going to keep working. And I'm going to keep talking about things that I feel are important to me. I'm going to keep talking about the Constitution. I'm going to keep talking about personal liberty. Freedom from government. I'm going to talk about not getting bent over in taxes. I'm going to talk about personal responsibility, personal accountability, service to your country, national sovereignty, which includes a strong military and strong border. I'm going to talk about the importance of the rule of law, freedom of speech, the right to keep and bear arms. Those are the things that matter to me. That's what I'm going to keep talking about. I'm going to keep talking to you guys about that. And what do I hope to accomplish? I hope to accomplish by t- I hope to accomplish that people listen and they appreciate those values and then they too vote on those values. And that's how you change minds and get people to think the way you do when you lose an election. You go back to work. Unfortunately, I'm just one guy talking in the wilderness here. I don't have a huge like cable news outlet uh, to shout my feelings from like the propagandists at CNN do. Uh, let's see a couple other thoughts. Speaking of the media, what's next for the media? What are they going to do with Trump? I think they are going to still cover him a lot because he's not going anywhere. And what's next for him? You know, where does he go from here? Trump. He's a singular, unique figure. Uh, this is going to be the problem. And he's he's like a good and bad thing, right? He's he's polarizing as fuck, right? He alienates half the country. He motivates people to work against him. That's the bad part. But the good part is. He also, again, rallied people to the GOP like no other GOP candidate has in history, especially for being such a huge racist, is allegedly. I mean, what other candidate in 2024 is going to bring out people in these truck convoys that stretch 90 miles on an Arizona highway? What other GOP candidate is going to fill stadiums with 50,000 fucking people who wait in lines overnight? You think Mike Pence... Is going to have people waiting in line for three days to go see him speak? Friggin' doubt it, dude. So what's next for Trump? Well, as I told you, I think the rallies will probably continue. TV appearances, maybe. Uh, People are talking about Scuttle, but will he run again? Mm, He could. He'd be pretty old. Well, he'd be as old as Joe Biden is now, so it's not outside the realm of possibility. Shit, he could run for Congress. I'm sure he'd win. He's still immensely popular with the base. So if he wanted to be like a congressman or something else, he probably would do that. I don't see him doing that because, you know, Trump is not the kind of guy who wants to be one in a body of uh, 400 plus other colleagues. He wants to be the top dog. So I don't see that happening. Maybe senator? Eh, possibility. In Florida? Maybe. He lives in Florida now, right? And then the public, us, the voters. I told you, the people out in the streets celebrating. Nothing in their lives is going to change. Nothing in my life has changed. I woke up with Joe Biden as president-elect. Guess what? I'm here doing the podcast, and nothing in my life has changed. Uh, So that will continue to go on. 
And remember, I said this on Jesse Kelly and repeated here. To me, it's deeply unmasculine to be overly obsessed with a man. And I, I don't understand the obsession with people with Trump or Biden or the celebrate the celebrating of another man. You know what I'm saying? It's another man's accomplishment. It's not it, it, to me. That's like weird. You know, the the fixation on some guy, like some kind of uh, you know, almost like Trump is like some kind of deity in a lot of people's lives, and he is a lot of people. People are obsessed with him, good and bad, right? So. Nothing in your life will change. I told you this months ago, the presidential election is going to come and go and you'll be right back where you were to start with. And way more important and things that have much more of an effect on your life are your local town council, your city council, and your mayor and your state government. That's going to have way more of an effect on your life than whoever the president is. And these are facts. Uh, Okay, so I think we will go into then some clips I have here for you and let's start with uh, here is the moment Fox News called the race for Joe Biden although they kind of fucked it up a little bit so I thought it was kind of funny so let's listen to this here we go particular states count that is changing things or looking that it could be you know a call that would switch back to the president in that particular state All right. I apologize for that. We've lost him here. Again, uh, now we're almost 40 uh, minutes after the hour. We're keeping track of these various developments and a number of news organizations that have seized on developments in the Keystone State that have some, but not all, uh, calling the state, uh, thereby extension, this presidential race to Joe Biden, uh, that he has now amassed enough electoral votes to be named the next president of the United States. Let's go to uh, Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, Martha McCallum, Martha McCallum. The Fox News decision <laughs> desk can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, who stated in this process, I will never give up fighting for you and our nation, will be denied a second term. That has not happened since 1992 and President George H.W. Bush. Keep in mind... So there you go. You heard the glitching in the uh, in the uh, in the Fox News update. That was pretty funny. Let's go to uh, Jake Tapper, stupid Jake Tapper, a spreader of the Brett Kavanaugh serial gang rape hoax. And here he's talking about our long national nightmare being over. CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States, and Jake That's Wolf he is now president elect. Joe Biden. What a moment in history. We have all been waiting on the edges of our seats since Tuesday. It is the end, the end of a tumultuous presidency, a time of some accomplishments, no question, a time where many Americans throughout the country and in shuttered steel towns and in rural America, they felt for the first time, they felt heard, which is important, but it is also, Wolf, it has also been a time of, of extreme divisions many of the divisions caused and exacerbated by president trump himself false it's been a time of several significant and utterly avoidable failures most tragically of course the unwillingness to respect facts and science and do everything that could be done to save lives during a pandemic it has been a time where truth and fact 
were treated with disdain. It is a time of cruelty. <laughs> Serial gang rapist Brett Kavanaugh would like a word. Became the official shameful policy of the United States. But now the Trump presidency is coming to an end. To an end. With so many squandered opportunities and ruined potential, but also an era of just plain meanness. It must be said, to paraphrase President Ford, for tens of millions of our fellow Americans, their long national nightmare is over. Yeah, he's speaking for himself there. And uh, you know what? I'm glad he brought that up because I wanted to address that. This whole this whole concept that Joe Biden is going to, quote, bring the country together, end quote. I've been seeing that a lot this morning and how we're all going to heal and come together. Dude, we're not going to come together. What are you, are you kidding me? Have you, been, have you been in a coma for the last four years? Who's going to come together? I have fundal disagreements with these far leftists in the news media and these activists on Twitter about the direction of the country and philosophical disagreements. What, how am I, what am I going to come together with them on? When they're sitting there going, uh, abolish ICE and uh, no borders, I'm going to come together with them on that and be like, oh, okay. Well, Trump was mean, so now I'm going to come together with you on that. It's ridiculous. Nobody's coming together. As a matter of fact, people are just going to be more uh, dug in now. I keep hearing that. I keep hearing this uh, shit about uh, we're all going to come together. I'm like, dude, you're freaking delusional, man. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, here's... Uh, which one is this? Oh, here's... Uh, do a good job of speaking here's Andrew Yang. Let's listen to people. this. What do you say to that? You're supposed to be fixing that. Andrew, yeah. I had that experience countless times on the trail, Don, where if I would say, hey, I'm running for president to a truck driver, retail worker, a waitress in a diner. And they would say, what party? And I say Democrat. And they would flinch like I'd said something really negative or I just like I'd like turned another color or something like that. Uh, and there's something deeply wrong when working class Americans have that response to a major party that theoretically is supposed to be fighting for them. So you have to ask yourself, <laughs> what has the Democratic Party been standing for in their minds? And in their minds, the Democratic Party, unfortunately, has taken on this role of the coastal urban elites who are more concerned about policing various cultural issues than improving their way of life. Yep. That has been declining for years. 100%. And so if, if you're in that situation, this to me is a fundamental problem for the Democratic Party because they, if they don't figure this out, then this polarization and division will get worse, not better. Is that yes, so he, Andrew Yang is kind of a goof, but he's a spot on there, I think. I really do think that. That these, these, uh, these journalists and these Twitter liberals, you know, this is what they're concerned with. They, they're concerned if you're using the, the right pronouns on somebody instead of, like, worrying about, like, some guy if he can fucking still uh, provide for his family with a decent job. That's what they do all day. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, well, let's listen to Sleepy Joe before he actually was declared winner. But he was talking about how it's going to go for a while and he thinks he's going to win. Your patience is commendable. We knew this was going to go wrong, but who knew we we're going to go into maybe tomorrow morning, maybe even longer. But look, we feel good about where we are. We really do. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. We knew because of the unprecedented early vote and the mail-in vote, that it's going to take a while. 
We're going to have to be patient until we, uh, the hard work of tallying the votes is finished. And it ain't over till every vote is counted. Okay, there he is. President-elect Joe Biden. God help us all. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, man. Let's see. Oh, this one is good. Do you, you know that guy, that dope Van Jones on CNN? Did you see he had a weepy meltdown? Oh, and I, this was what kills me about the time we live in. This was seen, this grown man crying his eyes out is seen as very touching by a huge percentage of our population. It made me fucking want to barf. I'm like, God, have some dignity. Over a politician, you're weeping? I'm a, I listened to 10 seconds of this clip, and then I saved. I haven't even heard the whole thing. It was more than I can stomach. Let's listen to dope CNN Van Jones here. Here we go. There he goes. He's all broken up. Look at him. Well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. I can't tell if this is it's acting easier, or not. It's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. Being a good person matters. <laughs> And it's easier for a whole lot of people. <laughs> if you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or sit, sit <laughs> dreamers. <laughs> back for no reason. reason. Vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. That was a lot of people that felt they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know. And you're going to the store and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you. And you're worried about your kids and you're worried about your sister. And can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? Oh, and, my and, God. And, and, and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal. Ugh, I, I can't. I can't anymore. My God, dude. Get some fucking therapy, dude, and grow up. God. Is this what men are in America now? And you wonder what's wrong with the media? That's the man on fucking who gets to go on TV and talk to you. That guy. He wasn't the only one crybabying it all over. Here's fucking stupid Stephen Colbert. Did you see this one? Let's listen to him. He also cried. So we all knew he would do this. There he is, crying away. <laughs> What I didn't know is that it would hurt so much. I didn't expect this to break my heart. Oh, God. For him to cast a dark shadow on our most sacred right from the briefing room in the White House, our house, not his, that is devastating. This, this is heartbreaking for the same reason that I didn't want him to get COVID. Certainly why I wanted him to survive, because he is the president of the United States. Okay. Well, thank you, Stephen Colbert. There, there goes your whole entire act. I, you know, I don't know, do you think it's an act? Do you think these guys are playing it? Do you think they're like cry, like when Van Jones is sitting there cry face? Have you guys... What, I, I've, I'm trying to think if I've ever cried that hard in my life over anything. 
And you're going to cry about that because Joe Biden became president. Of all people, too. Joe Biden. God. Oh, man, what a time to be alive. Let's listen to Nancy Pelosi. Let's listen to this one. For our country. Because Joe Biden is a unifier. Because he is determined to bring people together. Because he respects all points of view. And as he has said, I ran as a Democrat. I'll govern as president. For all of the people, whether they voted for me or not. What is that? Okay, let me stop her right there. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm going to govern for all. Does that mean he's not going to pursue the far left agenda? Because he is going to. I'm not even going to play the rest of that clip because apparently, because of the new COVID surge, which we'll get into in a minute, everybody's wearing masks again. And it's kind of hard to hear. Uh, did you guys notice that? All of a sudden, everybody now, whether it's like Monday Night Football or a politician, they're all back to wearing masks. And let's see. Uh, and then funny, uh, here's here's a little bit of Alex Jones. He showed up at the Phoenix rally with a bullhorn. Let's listen to this. Example, you're not going to let him steal this. We're not going to let him steal it in Georgia. We're not going to let him steal it in Pennsylvania. And you are here in defiance. And you are a Mason. USA! 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 All right, very good. And uh, finally, just to wrap up the news here, there were two armed members of Vets for Trump group that were arrested near the Philadelphia vote counting location. Did you guys see this one? Yeah, two men with loaded handguns were arrested Thursday near the Philadelphia Convention Center where an ongoing vote count could uh did decide the presidential election. Uh, this was Joshua Macias, 42 years old, and Antonio Lamada, 61 years old. They traveled from the Virginia Beach, Virginia area and did not have permits to carry the weapons in Pennsylvania. Uh-oh. And now they're being charged with illegal firearms possession. Oh, man. The men were arrested after the FBI in Virginia relayed a tip to the Philadelphia police. Hmm, interesting. And that's all they said about that. So how did the FBI in Virginia know about this? I want to know. They must have been watching this guy. And they said that the vehicle they were driving in had a window sticker for the right-wing conspiracy theory QAnon. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. Oh, these guys are military, too. I said they were vets for Trump. Um, LaMotta is listed as an ambassador on the organization's website. He is an Army vet and is a bodyguard and security contractor, according to a website under his name. And I believe Macias is also, Joshua Macias is also an Army vet. Another horribly written article. Boy, the fucking Military Times is garbage, isn't it? Macias posted a video to Facebook on Thursday showing him outside the convention center wearing a T-shirt that said Veterans for Trump. Um, okay. Well, it sounds like they're going. They're, they're already being called terrorists. I don't know exactly what they're planning. They're, they don't really go into a lot of it. All right, guys, that's it. That's your fucking presidential election 2020. It's all over. Uh, I pretty much said everything I thought to. The answer now is, um, what do you do? Well, we go back to work. And we start telling the next generation, the next group of voters, 
about our values and what we think and how to best reflect those. And, you know, you guys who want to make a difference, you should run for office. I listed some of the people who are. All these activists, they're running for office. I encourage you to get out and run for office in your communities and spread the message, you know. Spread the message of personal liberty and freedom, which, you know, is funny. Did you notice that that didn't come up at all in the presidential election by either side? It's hard to find somebody in this day and age who's a politician who's going to talk about that. Personal liberty and freedom, and we take it for granted because we live in the United States of America. Go to another country and think you have personal liberty and freedom. You fucking don't. We're lucky to have it, and if you don't fight for it every day, it's going to disappear here just like it is in a lot, has in a lot of other countries, especially the right, the freedom of speech. That's the big one. Once that goes, it's all over. So I encourage you guys to run for office. Go be politicians yourselves and talk about personal liberty and freedom. Talk about the freedom of speech and how important that is. Talk about the U.S. Constitution, the right to bear arms, all of that stuff that's important to us. And I would encourage you to do that. So there you go. We'll get back to work and we'll go from here. Now let's go on to some of our uh, international news here. Let's start on a, uh, a amusing note. A Florida man who has been arrested. What did he get arrested for? Well, he was so insecure about his penis size that he whipped out a gun when a motorist mocked his penis at asking after asking why he revved his Jeep's engine. <laughs> the guy said, you must have a small dick. So then, uh, God, God, you guys, these are, I don't know what it is this week. These articles are just a fucking abortion that I have to read. It's so hard to follow. It's unbelievable. It's so hard. Why does it should not be this hard? I have to go down to like the eighth paragraph to get the actual dude's name who pulled out the gun over anger over his penis size. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not this difficult. It should not be this difficult. So this guy's name was Dustin Allen Coons. Is that... Is that the right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so hard to read. Okay. So Dustin Allen Coods uh, pulled out a 9mm Smith & Wesson uh, after another driver told him he must have a small dick after revving his gender. So he's in jail on felony charges. So don't do that, you guys. Come on. Stop. Let's go to some international news. I, saw, I tweeted this one out at Bravo Kilo Actual. Did you see the UK media report that claiming that President Vladimir Putin was planning to resign due to health conditions? Well, they are pushing back on that now. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov has denied that UK report. He claims that Putin is in excellent health. Now, this statement came after The Sun, which is a British tabloid, but is usually pretty accurate, citing sources said that Putin was planning to quit next year after showing possible symptoms of Parkinson's disease. According to The Sun, observers studied recent footage where Putin's leg appeared to be in constant motion while he seemed to be in pain clutching the armrest of a chair, and his fingers seemed to be twitching while he held up a cup 
believed to contain painkillers. Hmm. All right. And this report came after the lower house of Russia's legislature proposed a law that could provide Russian ex-presidents immunity from criminal prosecution in their lifetime, not merely while in office. The bill, published on a government website, is one of several being introduced following constitutional reforms that, among other things, allow Putin to run again when his term ends in 2024. So, the bill will become law if the lower house votes to approve it in three readings, the upper house backs it, and Putin then signs it. Remember that Vladimir Putin was first elected as Russia's president in the year 2000. He has served longer than any Russian or Soviet politician since the early 1950s and could be on course to be one of his nation's longest-serving leaders. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Let's go to Guatemala, where rescue teams are digging through mud and debris in a remote village in central Guatemala searching for more than 100 people whose homes were swallowed up by a massive mudslide caused by rainfall from remnants of Hurricane Eta. Yeah, part of a mountain slope sheared off and smothered some two dozen homes in the village of Queja, said rescuers. And uh, they have found three bodies so far, but they believe that at least 125 people have been killed. Uh, Already, they have a death toll of more than 60 from this hurricane throughout Central America. Hundreds of other homes in Queja were also damaged or destroyed. About 3,000 survivors managed to flee the village on foot during the storm and sought shelter in a neighboring village of Santa Elena. Hurricane Eda roared ashore as a Category 4 hurricane on Tuesday along the northeastern Caribbean coast of Nicaragua and uh, kind of traveled throughout northern Nicaragua, then Honduras. It has been downgraded since, but it still continued to bring devastation to the entire region. Yeah, Guatemala's National Disaster Agency said 12 deaths have been confirmed from Hurricane Eta, but once they dig out all these bodies, it's probably going to be a lot more. Meanwhile, in Honduras, at least 23 people have died from storm-related floodings and landslides, while 8 have died in Panama and 2 in Costa Rica. And in southern Mexico, local officials said that 19 people had died in mudslides and floods. This is nuts. Yep, those fucking hurricanes, man. They get you. Uh, let's see, what else? Let's go over to the Netherlands. And these this is in the news because remember, a month after a teacher in France was beheaded for showing caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad, fears are growing in the Netherlands that the ripple effects of that attack are spreading. On Friday, an 18-year-old woman in the Dutch city of Rotterdam was arrested on suspicion of making online threats against a high school teacher who had displayed in his classroom a cartoon supporting Charlie Hebdo, the French satirical newspaper that had originally published the Mohammed cartoons. And then local media reported that another teacher was threatened after he showed a cartoon depicting Mohammed during a class about free speech. (laughs) Remember, that's why the teacher in France got beheaded. He was trying to use the cartoons as a point about free speech, and then he was promptly had his head fucking cut off. 
So these actions have led to unrest and even threats. At the center of the incident in the high school in Rotterdam was a picture of a cartoon posted on a classroom wall by a teacher several years ago that was shared on social media. The cartoon depicted a decapitated person wearing a shirt labeled Charlie Hebdo, sticking out his tongue at a bearded man holding a sword with the word immortal below it. This was written by a Dutch cartoonist, this cartoon in 2015, after Charlie Hebdo, the magazine, of course, was targeted by assailants, angered by its caricatures of Mohammed in that terrorist attack in Paris that killed 12 people. Well, the pictures of that cartoon in the classroom were posted on Instagram and circulated quickly among students. One picture had a caption that said, quote, if this isn't removed quickly, then we're going to deal with this differently, end quote. The post has been deleted. The 18-year-old woman was arrested but not named. She was arrested on suspicion of having posted a message on social media that, quote, incited others to commit criminal offenses against the school and the teacher, end quote. Hmm. Let's see what else about the Nether. I don't know a lot about the Netherlands, so I'm trying to think if there's like any good uh, statistics in here. Remember the original case in France was that uh, teacher who showed him, and that was Samuel Paty, P-A-T-Y. That was the name of the teacher in France. And he was a 47-year-old history teacher. And after he showed the Charlie Hebdo characters and uh, caricatures in his class on freedom of expression, he, he tried to apologize, but then an angry father complained about him in videos he uploaded on social media, and that's when an 18-year-old teenager in France saw the videos, went to the middle school where Pate taught, and killed him in the street as he walked out of the classroom. Horrible. Well, you know what? You know what? It's, it's time to fucking uh, take off the gloves here and let these fucks know that in our countries, we have freedom of speech and we discuss all kinds of things and we're free to mock your sacred cows and you're free to mock my sacred cows and that's part of fucking the deal. And if you don't like it, guess what you can do? You can take your fucking ass back to whatever shithole you crawled out from and live over there where they don't do that, where they behead people in the street for saying stuff they don't like. You can go live there. I'm going to live here. Tired of the coddling that goes on here. Just explain it to them that way. And if they don't like it, shut the fuck up already. We don't care what you think. It's time to stop the coddling. Once and for all, I'm tired of hearing about this crap. Uh, my... Source at the Department of Homeland Security actually sent me this story. This was great. Great story. This was the arrest of Douglas Bennett with passport fraud and aggravated identity theft. Bennett was arrested on November 4th, 2020. He's facing a maximum penalty of 12 years in federal prison. So, according to the complaint, this is great. In 2016, Bennett submitted a passport application using the name, date, birth, and social security number of an individual who died in 1945. In 1975, Bennett 
had been convicted of a jury in Connecticut of robbery, kidnapping, sexual contact, rape, and deviate separate. Sorry, deviant sexual intercourse. He is sentenced to 9 to 18 years in Connecticut State Prison. However, Bennett never turned himself in to begin his sentence. Records show in 1977, he assumed the identity of the individual who had died in 1945 and remained a fugitive for more than 40 years. How about that one? Yeah, he almost got away with it. But he was arrested. A fingerprint comparison confirmed that Bennett was the same person convicted in Connecticut in 1975. At the time of his arrest, he was in possession of a Florida driver's license bearing the false identifying information but containing Bennett's phonograph. Fascinating. I wonder how they caught him. It doesn't say because this is just a general it, it, this is just a general State Department release. They haven't really got into it from because of passport, you know, that's who runs it is the State Department. But they haven't really uh, put out much detail, but I'm wondering how they caught the guy. Fascinating story. But he got away with it for forty years. He probably thought he was home free. Nope, we caught up to him. Good for good job. Let's talk about Jacob Blake. Everybody remember who Jacob Blake is? Of course the 29-year-old black man who was partly paralyzed after a white police officer shot him seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin, setting off the protests there. Everybody remember that? Well, prosecutors on Friday, yesterday, very quietly, dropped the sexual assault charge against him. And, yep, the prosecutors in Kenosha and Mr. Blake's lawyer resolved charges that he had faced after a woman accused him of sexually assaulting her in May. You guys remember this? This is where he allegedly stuck his fingers up a woman's genitals. Um, unsolicited, by the way. Prosecutors dropped one count of third-degree sexual assault outright and agreed to drop one count of criminal trespass if Blake pleaded guilty to two counts of disorderly conduct. He made a virtual court appearance via Zoom. Oh, this is nice. You know what? You know what, James? You know what uh, Jacob Blake said to the court. He said, "Quote honestly, Your Honor. Although I plead guilty to this, I don't consider myself to be guilty." End quote. So, okay, so he does. He says he's done nothing wrong. Blake maintained that he did not commit sexual assault, and by dropping the charge, prosecutors acknowledged that quote ultimately the state could not prove it in court. End quote. And. The district attorney, I won't beat up on him too much because he said the sexual assault charge had been dropped in part because the woman who had accused Mr. Blake was not cooperating with the prosecution. Okay, well, there you go. Pretty hard to keep the charges up after that. Remember that Blake was shot on August 23rd after officers responded to the domestic complaint from a woman who had called 911 to report that he was at her home. And then a warrant for Blake's arrest was issued, had been issued in July after that woman had accused him of sexually penetrating her in May with his finger. And that's when they used a taser on Blake. It didn't do anything. And then Officer Rustin Shesky fired his gun seven times into Blake's back as Blake was trying to get into a car and Blake was left paralyzed from the waist down. 
Uh, Blake had admitted to having a knife on him, which was then later found on the driver's side floorboard of his car. However, Blake's lawyer has denied that Blake was carrying a knife. Okay, well. Yeah, don't fight the cops, you guys. You'll learn one day. Let's see. Let's go to... What else? Well, let's go to the latest COVID counts here and do a COVID update for you. You guys know the cases have been skyrocketing lately. Indeed, our total cases in the U.S. are over 9.8 million. That is a 57% increase in the 14-day change. Our death count is now at 237,034, and that is a 12% increase in the 14-day change. And we set a record with 132,797 new cases being reported in one single day on November 6th. Yeah, I'm looking at the heat map here. Again, where the cases are growing rapidly is uh, definitely the upper Midwest, like Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota is where the counties are like a, a deep, deep, deep red. Also, North Dakota, South Dakota, skyrocketing up there. I'm just looking at the charts here as I scroll down. And, yeah, it's not looking good in that part of the country. Let me do just a quick live updates page here. in the Because we're setting like daily daily records here. Um, a, and indeed, a quarter of a million coronavirus infections alone have been reported at colleges and universities. And the bulk of the cases have occurred since students returned for the fall semester, which is kind of what you would expect. More than 38,000 new cases have been reported in the last two weeks alone. What else about the coronavirus? For the second day in a row, the U.S. did record over 100,000 new coronavirus cases in a single day. Uh, let's see. Yep, the th by Thursday night, I already told you that one. Five states Five states set single-day case records on Wednesday. That was Colorado, Indiana, Maine, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Daily reports of cases in Minnesota have increased 102% over that same time. Let's see. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. England began a four-week national lockdown on Thursday, and Greece announced new restrictions nationwide starting this weekend as Europe confronts their growing wave of coronavirus infections. In the new measures in England, people may leave home only for essential reasons, including exercise and seeking medical care. Retail stores and other non-essential businesses have been ordered to close. Pubs and restaurants can remain open only for food takeout and delivery, but schools and universities will remain open. And in Greece, the prime minister there, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, announced a three-week nationwide lockdown starting on Saturday after a sharp spike in infections. France is under a national lockdown. The health minister there said this week that intensive care units and hospitals around the country were nearing full capacity. Convenience stores, bars, and restaurants in Paris have been ordered to close at 10 p.m., and overnight alcohol sales and food deliveries are banned. 
The Italian government announced this week that it would lock down a significant portion of their country, including the northern regions that are its economic engine. Uh, Norway is urging its uh, citizens to stay home as much as possible. They have tightened restrictions last week on gatherings and foreign workers entering that country. Uh, The leader of Belarus, of course, Alexander Lukashenko, told border guards not to allow citizens back into the country out of concern that they would bring the virus with them. Uh, He did make an exception for citizens returning from Russia because of a pre-existing agreement. Virus cases in Belarus and Russia have been on the rise. Children who become infected with the coronavirus produced weaker antibodies and fewer types of them than adults do, according to a new study published Thursday in the journal Nature Immunology. The findings suggest that children who have powerful innate immunity tend to vanquish the virus more rapidly before it gains a foothold in the body. That kind of explains why most children are spared from COVID-19's more severe symptoms. Talked about France already. Serbia's Orthodox Patriarch (laughs) tests positive after presiding over a packed funeral. Uh, He is 90 years old. Uh, He is generally feeling well. He's asymptomatic and without fever. Hmm. I wonder how he knew he had it. Uh, Let's see, what else? I'm going around the world here. The first U.S. criminal negligence case over the spread of the virus in nursing homes moves forward. These are two former administrators of a Massachusetts nursing home where 76 veterans died of the coronavirus, and they have been arraigned on criminal neglect charges. And yes, this this case is the first criminal prosecution linked to an outbreak of the virus in nursing homes. They have pleaded not guilty. Uh, let's see. Governor Philip Murphy of New Jersey warned the state's residents on Thursday against unnecessary travel. Rhode Island, they are including a stay-at-home advisory from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. on weeknights. And the University of California, Berkeley, has canceled its season-opening football game against the University of Washington after an unnamed Cal player tested positive. There are no immediate plans to reschedule it. Uh, let's see. Anything else in this? Anything else interesting on this live updates page? Hmm. Well, hopes are rising for a vote on a new stimulus package. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Uh, maybe they will. Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky said on Wednesday that reaching a deal on a stimulus bill would be job number one when lawmakers return for the lame duck congressional s- session following the elections. Uh, remember, they were looking for a package, at least the Democrats were, of $2 trillion. God, where's all this going to come from? Business groups are mounting a renewed push for an even larger package of that. Uh, China is barring many international travels, including almost everyone traveling from Bangladesh, Belgium, Britain, India, or the Philippines. Obviously, they are accepting Chinese citizens of there. And uh, let's see, 738,000 new state jobless claims were filed in the United States last week. Uh, 
That is significantly lower than after the coronavirus pandemic first struck, but still pretty high by historical standards. Yeah, it's just not going away. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure it's, uh, if it's ever going to end, honestly. What else? Skip out of that one. Um, let's go to Ethiopia. Let's talk about Ethiopia. What's going on in Ethiopia? They're damn near like a civil war. Yep. Ethiopian fighter jets bombed targets in the northern province of Tigray, T-I-G-R-A-Y. And this is the latest escalation of a three-day-old conflict that is driving the African nation towards this civil war. Um, let's see. I'm just looking at this right here. On Wednesday, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed announced military operations in Tigray, accusing the region's ruling Tigray People's Liberation Front of arming what they call irregular militias and orchestrating an attack on a major federal army base in the region. So they're fighting over there now. Now, where did this all start? Well, tensions have been growing since September when Tigray defied Abiy's authority and held regional elections even as votes in the rest of Ethiopia were postponed because of the coronavirus pandemic. And then the confrontation escalated in October when Ethiopian lawmakers diverted federal funding from the Tigrayan authorities as a means of punishment. So they started fighting. Tigray has a large paramilitary force and a well-drilled local militia with up to 250,000 armed men. Holy shit, dude. But the region is also home to Ethiopia's largest army base. And, by some estimates, half the troops in Ethiopia's army, along with much of its artillery and other heavy weaponry. A little bit about this Tigray People's Liberation Front. They toppled a Marxist dictator in 1991 and went on to effectively rule Ethiopia for near three decades. But its influence has declined steeply after Mr. Abiy came to power in 19, I'm sorry, 2018. And since then, they've been complained of being marginalized and unjustly accused of corruption and human rights abuses. And many of them were enraged by Abiy's description of their period of rule as, quote, 27 years of darkness, end quote. Abiy, for his part, views the Tigrayan leaders as troublemakers still smarting from their loss of influence. There you go. You guys now know more about fucking Ethiopia than pretty much every single person in America. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, let's see. Let's go to this one. Let's go to Mexico. Do you guys remember the ambush of that Mormon family in Mexico? Yeah. Well, it's been almost a year. This was uh, the massacre of nine members of a Mormon family in northern Mexico. Well, almost a year later, a suspect has been arrested on homicide charges in connection with that case. The man, whom the authorities identified only as, quote, Alfredo L., end quote, was a member of a criminal group operating in northern Mexico, and he was detained in the border city of Ciudad Juarez, on Wednesday, exactly one year after gunmen ambushed the family as they drove in a convoy along an isolated desert road in the state of Sonora. The nine victims included six children and three women, 
all dual Mexican and American citizens who lived in the region where they were attacked. Now, nobody has yet been convicted in these killings. Of course, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, or AMLO, has struggled to find an effective approach in reducing violence in Mexico. But according to Mexico's Attorney General's office, 12 suspects have been arrested in connection with the case, though only two of them, including the man arrested this week, have been accused of murder. The other 10 are facing different charges, including illegal possession of weapons and organized crime. Uh, let's see, anything else in here? So this, this family was driving in three separate sport utility vehicles in a rural area of Sonora, Mexico. Uh, Mormon groups that had splintered from the main U.S. church began settling in that area in early 20th century. Remember that uh, Mitt Romney's dad was sort of tangentially attached to this group? Because the victims had American citizenship and frequently moved between the two countries, Mexican officials agreed to give their counterparts in the U.S. full access to their investigative files. Of course, AMLO, when he first took office in 2018, vowed to end his predecessor's war on drugs, an approach that relied on the military. Instead, he promised he would address the roots of crime by tackling poverty. God, this never works! <laughs> It never works, bro. Hermano. Yeah, shockingly, that effort has not significantly lowered the national murder tally. Oh, Mexico. I wonder if they'll ever figure it out down there. Okay, uh, let's see. What else? I'm just going through here. Let's go back to Vienna. And talk about that terrorist attack a little bit and update you all. I know I talked about some of this stuff on the Jesse Kelly show on Tuesday, so a little bit of this is review, but uh, some of it's been updated, so it's good. Let's see. Remember that this was the guy who was armed with an automatic rifle, a pistol, and interestingly enough, a dummy suicide bombing belt. Now... I don't have his name right here because the fucking New York Times is going on one of these stupid quests to not name the dude. I know other people have already put the name out, so it's stupid. But for that reason, uh, are they going to they, they leave it out of the entire article? Hmm. Yeah, they just say uh, a, they just call him a 20 year old dual citizen of Austria and North Macedonia. Oh, and guess what? He was well-known to the authorities. By the time police shot him on Monday night, he had killed four people and wounded 23. Shocking a country where deadly terrorist attacks are rare. But he was known to these authorities, like I said, two years ago. Guess what? He was sentenced to prison for attempting to travel to Syria and join the Islamic State. <laughs> Why didn't you just let him go? Why did you not just let him go do it? He'd be a fucking grease stain somewhere in Syria by now. Instead, you had to arrest him, keep him incarcerated, and then you let him out even worse, and then he goes on to kill four-year citizens. Does that make sense at all? They should be flying people out to Syria to go fight for the Islamic State. We should too. Everybody should. We should give them the tickets. Any fucking guy who wants to go fight for ISIS right now in any European country of the U.S., 
We should be escorting them to the airport, handing them a one-way ticket and being, bye-bye, bye-bye. We'll fucking see you uh, on the ISR feed in a couple months when our fucking drones uh, turn you into a smudge in the desert. Why are we doing that? Why do we arrest them and keep them here? I don't understand this. <laughs> give me a logical explanation for this, you guys. Please, somebody give me one because I'm like losing my mind here. I don't get that at all. Oh, no, sir, sir, please don't, please don't go fight for ISIS in Syria. We're going to give you fucking three hots and a cot, courtesy of the fucking taxpayers instead. And then we're going to let you out, not keep track of you, and the next time you turn up, we'll be amidst a pile of our citizens' corpses. Fuck me, man. <laughs> uh, this is funny. Here's, here's how the New York Times puts it. This raises questions about whether someone so firmly on the radar of Australia's intelligence and law enforcement agencies sh should have been more closely watched. <laughs> you think? Uh, oh, there's more. In addition, Slovakian authorities alerted Austria just in July that this clown had traveled to Slovakia to try and buy ammunition for his AK-47. <laughs> The dead, I don't know if, at least in this article, at the time this article is written, were not yet publicly identified, but they did include three Austrians and one German and range in age from 19 to 34. That's fucking nice. So four young people just minding their own business in beautiful Vienna, Austria, where I've been several times. I love it. Uh, just a phenomenal city, beautiful city. They're just minding their business out for a walk, and up comes this fucking guy with his AK-47 and blows them to pieces because they just couldn't bear to let him fly to Syria on a one-way and fight for ISIS. My God. It is an Islamist terrorist attack, yes. Um, anything else in here? No, they don't. It's, it's, I'm surprised that they're really they're really uh, doubling down on this not naming the guy. I mean, which again, it's a, it's a nice sentiment, but in this day and age of instant global information, doesn't that come off as silly? Because I'm just gonna click away from you and get it from somebody else. So what's the point? Man, that's sad. A 28-year-old police officer was actually shot also. He survived only because some brave young men dragged him to safety. Good job, guys. Good for you. Yeah, the belt of explosives did turn out to be fake. The Islamic State claimed uh, responsibility, of course. Oh, here we go. Here we go. They did name him way, way down the story. Okay, that's the strategy. They want you to think they're not going to, but then they slip it in. Okay, the attacker's name is Kujtim Fejulai. And yes, two years ago, he had planned to travel to Syria with a friend to join ISIS. When the friend changed his mind, he went on his own, but he made it only as far as Turkey, where he was arrested and taken back to Vienna to face charges of attempted, <laughs> attempted jihad. <laughs> That's a charge, attempted jihad. That's funny. He was convicted and sentenced to 22 months in prison. But guess what? He was released in December after serving only about a year. Oh, they do that there too? That's nice. 
Oh, oh, you know what? His client's good behavior in prison led to his early release because, after all, he took part in a de-radicalization program. <laughs> his stupid lawyer, her representative at the time, said that at the time, Mr. Fezjulai had appeared to show remorse. Yeah, you mean, really? You, so he snookered you, is what you're saying. He pulled the wool over your eyes. He suckered you. He's a fugazi. God. These woke fucking SJWs, I swear to God, they're going to kill us all, you guys. All right, what What else? Um, stocks are having their best week since April, uh, if you didn't know. Wall Street's rally continued for a fourth day on Thursday with the S&P 500 gaining about 2% and on track for its best weekly showing in nearly seven months. This is a recovery that has defied predictions that investors would be unsettled by uncertainty in the outcome of the U.S. presidential election. Uh, yeah, so this uh, Thursday's gains would mean that the S&P 500 is up 7.4% for the week as it rebounds from a loss of 5.6% last week. That's very good. Yeah, we're making money now, boys. We're making money. Uh, let's see. Anything else on the finance front here? Mm, doo -doo -doo. Solar companies are up big, interestingly enough. Probably in anticipation of uh, Joe Biden and his Green New Deal coming up. Uh, let's see. Let's turn to Afghanistan here. Again, a little bit of a repeat from the Jesse Kelly show, but I don't know if you guys saw, but gunmen stormed Kabul University and killed at least 19 people. Uh, it was three gunmen who laid siege to Afghanistan's largest university on Monday, taking hostages, killing at least 19 people, and wounding more than a dozen. It was the second deadly assault with mass casualties on an education center in the capital in just over a week. The three assailants were killed after Afghan security forces and American troops moved in to root them out. So the gunmen quickly spread over the university grounds, detonating explosives and firing weapons. Uh, videos and photographs posted to social media showed students scrambling for cover and clamoring over walls to get to safety. And, yeah. The attack is the latest sign that spiraling violence in the Afghan countryside has made its way to the capital. And this followed a suicide bombing on October 24th at an education center in western Kabul. More than 40 people, most of them high school students, died in that attack. And the Islamic State claimed responsibility for that one. Kabul University had lifted its coronavirus restrictions in recent months, and thousands of students were most likely on campus at the time of the attack. Yep. Taliban, for their part, denounced the assault and denied responsibility and is accusing the Islamic State of having carried it out. He all, uh, the Taliban spokesman also accused the Afghan government of having allowed the Islamic State to harbor in the country. Yeah, this is why we have no business being there. You got to pull out and you got to let the Taliban and ISIS have the big fucking grudge match and just kill each other. That's what they do. And they'll figure it out one way or the other. One way or the other. The attack on the university followed the deadliest month in Afghanistan for civilians since September 2019. At least 212 people were killed in October. 
And according to recently released UN data, about 2,100 Afghan civilians have died and 3,800 wounded in the first nine months of this year. Yeah, it's going great over there, isn't it? Not good. And interestingly enough, uh, they also had the sep a second attack which raised some eyebrows because it was most likely carried out by a drone. This one killed at least four security officers in northern Afghanistan. And this represents, yeah, what could be the group's first publicly known use of this method in the 19-year-old 19 19-year-old 19 war. This strike targeted the governor's compound in Kunduz. Um, the Taliban's use of small drones has been limited in recent years to filming attacks for propaganda and reconnaissance. But according to U.S. officials, there have been previously unreported instances of the remote-controlled devices being used to drop munitions. And that was a practice made popular by ISIS in Iraq and Syria in the past. In May, a similar strike occurred on the Kunduz governor's compound, killing one person. At the time, the governor's spokesman said a missile had hit a farewell party hosted by the governor, but later local officials said they believed a drone may have actually carried out the attack because of its precise nature. Hmm. Officials in Kunduz said that small Taliban drones used for surveillance are frequently seen in the skies there. Afghan forces claim to have shot down one of those drones back in March. Yeah, boy, yeah, imagine if that fucking takes off. They're just so fucked over there, honestly. All right, let's uh, change it up a little bit. Let's uh, go to a few audio clips here. I don't have as much this week, you guys, because, again, like, I know I feel kind of bad because this week there was nothing other than the election going on, honestly. But I did dig up a few. Uh, let's listen to uh, this kind of weirdo talking in the rain. Are you anxious and afraid right now over what might happen in the next few days? About the election. Good. You are a normal person having a completely normal reaction to what is completely fucked up. Okay? Nothing in the past four years is fucking normal. It's not fucking normal to have 240,000 people die. And then you're told, no, that never really happened. What? Trust the plan. What? All right? If you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed right now, congratulations. You're a normal human being having a normal human reaction. All right? So get out and fucking vote because none of this is fucking normal. Imagine, this is what I'm saying, you guys. This is a grown man in the middle of the street in the pouring rain making a video of himself shrieking. Does that... Is that normal now to you? Do you think that's normal? Oh. And this one is going around too. This was a some kind of preacher. I never heard of this chick before. But this they were having fun with this on the internet. This was Paula White. Apparently she's some sort of presidential spiritual advisor. And she uh, made a video of herself leading a prayer service 
in an effort to secure Donald Trump's re-election, and uh, I guess it got kind of uh, passionate. So let's listen to Paula White here. And strike 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 until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. For I hear victory, 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 victory in the quarters of heaven. In the quarters of heaven. Victory, 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 victory. For angels are being released right now. Angels are being dispatched right now. Hamanda Aka Ata Raka Teda Baka Sanda Ata Ambo Osa Tata Rite Eke Banda Ata Rike Didi Ashata. For angels have even dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Speaking in tongues. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. From Africa. From South America. Angelic forces. Angelic reinforcement. Angelic reinforcement. Angelic reinforcement. Fika hata anda ata ora bata rata ande eke eke manda rasata. For I hear the sound of victory. 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 All right, I'm just going to stop her there. Okay, stop. You know what's funny about this video? I'm watching this video, and there's some guy who's, like, holding a towel who's just walking back and forth behind her. He's wearing, like, shorts. It's very distracting. I don't know. Like, what's his job? Like, when he's, like, staring into some kind of book, and he's just holding a towel, and he's walking back and forth on the stage. I'm like, bro, what is? are you the towel boy to, to fucking towel her off or something? Oh, man. Paula White, huh? I never heard of her before. She's uh, an up-and-comer. Uh, let's see. What else for the video clips? Do I have any more of that? Like I said, not a lot going on, you guys, this week. Oh, this one is funny. This was kind of held over from a few days ago, but here was a girl who quit her job at Walmart, and she decided to do it over the intercom. I always, I love this. I've done a few of these things where people get on the intercom. I'm a big fan of those. Let's listen to this clip. Quitting. Here we go. I just want to say that. Picking up the intercom here. Attention all Walmart shoppers, associates, and managers. My name is Shauna from Cap 2, and I just want to come on here and say Henry is a racist, stinky prick. Giovanna is racist. Elias is a prick of a manager. This company fires black associates for no reason. This company treats their employees like shit, especially Cap 2, and... Jimmy from Sporting Goods, Joseph the cashier, Larry from Garden Center. You are all perverts. And I hope you don't talk to your daughters the way you talk to me. Shout out to Ariel, fucking love you for getting me this job a year ago when I needed it most. Fuck the managers, fuck this company, fuck this position, and fuck that big lazy bitch, Chris Price. I fucking quit. (laughs) I'm out. All right, there she goes. Yeah, good for you. Ah, uh, that's funny. Is that all I got for the uh, the clips? Yeah, sadly, you guys, not uh, not a great week. I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot more next week though, because I'm sure the fighting is gonna start tonight. 
uh, with all these crowds, as darkness falls across the East Coast, it's just going to get uh, it's going to get worse and worse. So I'm sure we'll have lots of good clips. So uh, keep the faith; it will get better next week. I promise. Let's see what's this one. Man is banned from Yellowstone for two years and fined one thousand two hundred dollars for trying to cook two chickens in a hot spring using a burlap sack and cooking pots. Huh. Jeez. This is a guy from Idaho Falls. He was found with a group of 10 friends, including a child by a ranger. Um, he, the ranger spokesman said, yeah, they received reports of a group hiking with cooking pots towards the Shoshone Geyser Basin. A ranger responded and found two whole chickens in a burlap sack in a hot spring. <laughs> What's the charge here? What's the big deal? Apparently, you're not supposed to walk around these thermal features. There's like footpaths, and you're not supposed to get off the path. I've never been to Yellowstone, so I don't know. Uh, throwing anything into the thermal features, which can reach temperatures of 143 degrees Fahrenheit on average, is also prohibited. Uh, a three-year-old in October was injured after going into the water somehow. And in 2016, a guy named Colin Scott, 23 years old, died after getting into one of the geothermal vents. Yeah, that's your fucking brainiac. NYPD anti-harassment official has been accused of racist rants. Uh, for more than 20 years, an online chat board called The Rant has been the place where New York City police officers have gone in secret to complain about their jobs. They had one user called Clouseau. Between the summer of 2019 and early this fall, Clouseau posted hundreds of messages on the rant, many of which attacked black people, Puerto Ricans, Hasidic Jews, and others with an unbridled sense of animus. He referred to President, former President Barack Obama as a, quote, Muslim savage, end quote, and called the Bronx District Attorney, who is a black man, a, quote, gap-toothed wildebeest, end quote. Well, now city investigators looked into it, and they said they have amassed evidence that Clouseau is actually a high-ranking police official who is assigned to an office responsible for combating workplace harassment. <laughs> ah, that's great. Uh, the... Police official in question is a man named Deputy Inspector James Coble. He is adamantly denied that he has written the racist messages. The posts have since been taken down. He declined to comment further. Oh, that's great. Well, he denied the allegations, but he was relieved of his command of the Equal Employment Opportunity Division. So... Any other uh, fucking good quotes from this message board here? Let me see here. Uh, anything? The, the New York Times is probably too soft to uh, print a lot of them, though. The council's interest, the city council's interest in this began this summer when an investigator was casually scrolling through this message board after seeing it mentioned in New York Magazine. And the posts by Clouseau caught the investigator's intention. Uh-oh. Uh, see, you know what? He, he had no OPSEC. 
That's the problem. He had no operational security, you guys. On July 1st, 2019, for example, Clouseau wrote a message describing how he had joined the police department on June 30th, 1992. Well, this guy, this inspector, he decided to use city payroll records to see who joined the police department on that date, among other things. So they kind of put it together. Yep. Oh, here's some more. Here's some more nuggets. Here's another long post on October 29th, 2019. Clouseau wrote a long post recalling in detail how he had proposed to his wife on December 10th, 2005. Well, this investigator later found a gossip article from the New York Post dated December 15th, 2005, offering congratulations to a woman on her engagement to a Jimmy Coble. So then he tracked down a Facebook page for that woman. It's a, see, you guys, you wonder why I don't talk about my personal life on here? That's funny. The report, they put out this 26-page report. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's some more quotes. Uh, he also called Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota a, quote, filthy animal, end quote. And he also labeled Dante de Blasio, the black son of Mayor Bill de Blasio, as a, quote, Brillo head, end quote. White liberals have also provoked outspurts. When City Council Speaker Corey Johnson, who is white and gay, demanded an investigation in the department's use of pedestrian stops, Clouseau wrote, quote, Perhaps we should all take a step back from stop, question, and maybe frisk until dear old Corey ends up the victim of a crime in one of the local bathhouses, end quote. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. So you guys, you got to have that OPSEC. Don't write shit about your personal life on the Internet. All right, let's go to this Pennsylvania judge accused of sexually assaulting a boy. These are always good. A Perry County judge charged with sexually abusing a 12-year-old boy had sleepovers with children in his office on multiple occasions and admitted to having addictions to porn and masturbation. That's nice. Uh, the investigation launched when police received a tip about concerning behavior he exhibited with a 12-year-old in 2015. During an interview with police, uh, the... District Judge Michael Schechterly, 58, admitted touching the genitals of a 12-year-old boy with special needs while they were watching TV at the judge's home. God. Really, dude? You're going to touch the special needs kid? Dang. According to the affidavit, Schechterly actually had trouble identifying this particular boy by name because, quote, there have been so many boys it was difficult to recall, end quote. Schechterly also said he had a porn addiction and the investigation into the 2015 incident was the wake-up call he needed. <laughs> this goes on and on. This is great detail, by the way. According to documents, the 58-year-old said he masturbated up to several times a day, sometimes in his district office where he had sleepovers with young boys. Who are the parents who are allowing their fucking kids to sleep over at a strange 58-year-old man's office? Who are those parents? You don't think what's going on? You don't know what's going on? Are you that clueless? Jesus. Schechterly is known as Commander Mike 
at the Newport Assembly of God, where he's the leader of the church's Royal Rangers program. Yeah, how many times I tell you guys, beware older men who want to hang out with many boys who are not related to them. Just beware. I'm just saying. I know it's a it's a sad state of commentary the way we live, but that's the way it is. Uh, there's one funny nugget I pulled out of the affidavit here. Uh, I said he discussed his porn addiction and his habit of masturbating several times a day. Well, in this probable cause affidavit, it read it read the following quote. When questioned regarding stains on surfaces in the district court, he indicated those stains would likely be his semen, end quote. So this judge is spattering the walls of the fucking court with this jizz. Oh, man. It's no good. What the hell is going on even? All right, what else? Um... A police officer has been jailed after accusing, after encouraging a 13-year-old boy to perform a sex act. This was over in the UK. A 54-year-old Lee Tatton was on duty, and he used a messaging service to ask a 13-year-old about the size of his penis and told him to masturbate. And then police also found... Indecent images, including those of girls as young as six, of being abused when they searched his home. He's only going to get six months in jail. How about that? Hmm. I guess they don't really care about that over in the UK. Uh, Here's some graphic uh, text messages. He sent text messages to a user who told the officer he was 13 years old. And while on duty, Tatton, who then knew the boy's age, asked him, quote, you bi, straight, or gay, end quote. And then he then asked about the size of the child's penis and told him to, quote, get it hard, end quote. Oh, God. 54 years old and a police officer. That's not good. Uh, what else? I've got a whole list here of other stuff. Um, what's this guy? Oh, this is good. A former Kentucky constable and firefighter has been sentenced to 35 years in prison for recording himself having sex with a 17-year-old girl. Oh, that was smart. Oh, HSI from Homeland Security uh, Investigations. They, they got this guy. Uh, the 37-year-old man from Kentucky first met the girl while she was visiting a fire station. And HSI says the girl was interested in pursuing a career in law enforcement or emergency medicine. So she and this guy, Michael Fields, began communicating via Snapchat. In March of 2019, Fields sent the girl a text message asking her to meet him. That night, he gave the girl alcohol and had sex with her in the back of an ambulance. Fields recorded the intercourse with her phone and sent the video to himself. He again had sex with her that same month using her phone to record the act at an emergency medical training facility. Oh, that's smart. Jeez. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's going away for a long time. Uh, a, good, a favorite topic of mine is the amount of gold that people smuggle into their rectums. Well, we have a update. This happens a lot in uh, India. Well, this is... A ongoing problem. 
customs officials around the country have managed to recover 15.67 kilograms of gold from rectums in just the year 2020. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, in 29 January, a passenger from Bangkok was caught with one kilogram of gold in his... One kilogram? Jesus. And on the 31st of January, a passenger also from Bangkok was apprehended with 300 grams in a capsule inside his rectum. Oh, that same month in the first week, a Chinese woman was apprehended with 1.2 kilograms concealed inside her body. This is... Uh, this is too much. Uh, on 12 October, sorry guys, this page is an it's a it's an English language page from India, so that the, they they jump around a little bit and the translation isn't always right. I'm trying to translate in my head as I go. On October 12th, uh, customs in India recovered 2.77 kilograms kilograms of gold from the rectums of three passengers two arrived from Dubai they were carrying 12 bundles of gold paste up their asses <laughs> Jesus I don't understand the purpose of this exactly like okay I get like you're trying to avoid some kind of tax but I don't know how like the tax is like is there some heinous tax on gold when you fly into India or something what's going on there Hmm. I tell you guys, watch The Grinder, my uh, LGBT listeners. And this is why a Waco teenager who police say shot at least two men killing one of them after alluring them to meetings through an LGBTQ dating app was indicted on capital murder and aggravated assault charges. 17-year-old Damarian DeGrate has been indicted in the August 17th shooting death of 23-year-old Jonathan Breeding. The indictment alleges he killed Breeding during the course of a robbery after communicating him with him on, yes, Grinder. Because he's not even 18 years old yet, he is not subjected to be sentenced to the death penalty. He was arrested last month in Fort Worth in the second of three shootings that occurred on the night of August 17th. He did all three in one night. How about that? Waco police have said that all three shooting victims met with DeGrate on Grinder. Yep. 2.15 a.m. Guys, don't go fucking meet the guy on Grinder in the parking lot. Because uh, that's what time this dude went and uh, he got fucking smoked. Sad. Uh, quickly, I'm starting to run out of time here and frankly, I'm over it. So let's just keep going. Uh... Just a few quick more headlines and we'll finish up. An estimated 150 migrants are thought to have died after the wooden boat they were traveling in was shipwrecked off the coast of Senegal. This is the latest in this deadly series of accidents for those trying the dangerous sea route around northwest Africa to reach Europe. The boat capsized and many of the uh, passengers drowned. Both boats have been going to the Canary Islands. A Spanish... Um, Archipelago, 60 miles off the Moroccan coast, which in recent months have received dozens of boatloads of travelers as other routes through the Sahara and across the Mediterranean to Europe have become more difficult and dangerous. 
15 years ago, this was a way busier route. In 2006, more than 32,000 migrants from West and Central Africa traveled along the Western Africa Maritime Route. Last year on that same route, just 2,698. But this route to Spain is so dangerous that it has been long known as Barça Walla Barsac, which means Barcelona or die in Senegal's most widely spoken language. Yep. But uh, I keep telling them not to try it, maybe to fix your country, but uh, they don't listen. A soldier in Fort Jackson has suffered a fatal injury during training on a rifle range. This is crazy. I speculated on Twitter if this was a suicide. They're not saying, but this is an 18-year-old soldier from California. It was a brief statement. We really don't know. This was a range at the 3rd Battalion, 34th Infantry Regiment. This is a basic combat training battalion. And all they said was the soldier suffered a fatal injury at the rifle range. They did not elaborate. I mean, I find it hard to believe that it was anything other than suicided, Those, especially at the basic level. Those ranges are incredibly regimented. You know, it's not like you... It would be very, very difficult, even if you are the... the most dopey fuck on the planet with a gun, it would be very difficult to accidentally kill yourself or somebody else. So I'm thinking he just, uh, maybe he was like hating life in the military somehow and just said, fuck it. And speaking of the military, do you remember that guy who killed four people in San Diego when he launched his fucking truck right off the Coronado Bridge and landed in Chicano Park? You guys remember Ring a Bell? I covered it on the podcast. Well, that was Richard Anthony Sapolio, who's now 27 years old. And on October 15th, 2016, he fucking uh, basically, yeah, crashed his pickup truck over the side of the transition ramp on the Coronado Bridge, and he fucking killed four people below it when it landed in Chicano Park, the truck did. Well, he's going to be released from prison after serving two years and ten months of his nine-year, eight-month prison sentence. He had been convicted by a jury of four counts of vehicular manslaughter while intoxicated. Now, prosecutors say he did drink before getting behind the wheel, but he was found to be below the legal blood alcohol limit. Uh, he, I say, he was in the, he was a, a Navy member. That's why. And Sapolio testified that he was driving on this ramp, a route back to Coronado, where, of course, there's a big Navy base. When he sped up to merge in front of another car and lost control, prosecutor said he was driving between 81 and 87 miles an hour. It's crazy. And then finally, you guys, let us go to the big finish. Here we go. 13-year-old boy has a two-foot-long electrical cable stuck in his bladder for three months after sticking it into his penis to find out where urine comes from. Quick, guess what country this is in. Guess. One guess. If you guessed China, yes, you were correct. The 13-year-old boy, known by his pseudonym, Xiao Xi, said he was curious about where his urine comes from. And so 
he inserted the metal wire into his penis to find out. Well, he was taken to seek medical attention after he started peeing blood last month, according to hospital report. And yes, the Daily Mail does have x-rays and pictures of the wire. Uh, his parents took him to see the doctor after the boy found blood in his urine and had difficulties peeing. While examining the young patient, the doctors were shocked to spot the tangled wires inside his bladder on an x-ray scan. He then later admitted to doctors that he had inserted the metal cord into his urethra. <laughs> uh, so after he jammed this cable into his penis, he realized he was unable to retract it, and so he kept it a secret from his parents. And so then they uh, scheduled to undergo surgery. During an hour-long procedure, they pulled the two-foot-long electrical cord from his urethra with a cystoscope. Very good. Luckily, it didn't do any damage to the bladder. They're fucking... He's lucky. I don't know. These Chinese... <laughs> the Chinese kids with the sticking of the, uh, the shit up the bladder. I don't know why you guys do that. I've asked you many, many times to not do it, but you won't listen to me, so... That's it, you guys. That's all I got for you. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and check out my Instagram at BK Actual. And hey, while you're at it, uh, why not leave me a review on iTunes? I appreciate that. That's kind of how they fucking get, uh, that's how they kind of rank the podcasts. And I could use it. Uh, a couple reviews from you guys from Corey Lass. You said, not a good idea to listen to BK while lifting. While he's ripping on the woke vets, you'll want to max out and or set a PR. While he's discussing funny stories, you might lose focus and drop the weight. Appreciate it. Uh, Reformed Cellus said, thanks BK for the awesome podcast. Excellent content that you can find nowhere else. News, debate, international updates. You get them all. That's true. Eddie said, uh, get on Patreon, you freeloaders. Yeah, definitely do that. Hands down, the one news podcast I do not miss. Jacked and tanned lifestyle is now a part of my daily vocabulary. Oh, this is cool. I listen to the podcast with Google Maps open and follow around the world. Never fails to educate and entertain. Yes, that's right, you guys. The first and reason for this podcast, the primary goal is to entertain and the second is to educate. So hopefully, even if you disagree with me on politics or anything else, you'll at least learn a few things about what's going on around the world. And then I put this one on my Instagram. It was so good. Schmuckatelli Joe said, If BK was alive in ancient Greece, he would have been making Aristotle and the other pompous elites look like morons before smashing all records at the original Olympics. Naked, with the glistening sweat and ab veins popping off of his unnaturally bronze skin. Surely a demigod, they would have said. <laughs> No matter who you are, you'll feel slightly aroused, smarter, and more motivated to get jacked and tan after listening to a session of Uncle BK. Well, that's fucking for sure. Definitely, you guys. Remember, that's what you need to do. You got to stay jacked and tan. You got to get out there. Young men, I want you to look jacked and tan with the ab veins. Young ladies, I want, you, I want the booties to be popping. Come on, let's get together. We got to make the country a more beautiful place. And please, guys, if you do enjoy the podcast, go to patreon.com, search for BK Actual, consider donating to the podcast. That's how I can kind of keep it going. I'm sorry it was a lot of political lameness this week. Next week, hopefully, the shit will have calmed down and we'll get back to our international news. Like I said, it was hard to find shit. Uh, final thoughts on the presidential thing? Yeah, I mean, my life hasn't changed. And we're going to move on from here. 
And uh, if you don't like the results, then you do what I do. You persuade people. You uh, be an activist. You can be an activist, too. It's not just for the left-wing kooks and the resistance. Go be an activist. Run for an office. If you don't like the way shit's doing or shit's going, then go change it yourself. Become an advocate. Uh, go run for office. Uh, get votes out there. Become a pundit yourself. We've got all the technology to do it. We've got social media. Make your voice heard and vote, of course. That will do it for me, you guys. I will see you next week. Let's go.